given us uh, in this church. And we thank you for your sim- the simple truths of your, of your love, um, of your grace. And um, we ask, Lord, that you'd help us as adults, uh, young folks as well, to encourage the little ones in our church to continue to f- fully understand your great love, your great grace, um, your, how good you are, and that your plan is good, and that we would all together, little and old, seek to follow you every day of our lives. We thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to come together, the opportunity that you've given me to try to expound upon uh, your wonderful word, and help us all to get an, a proper, a right, an adequate understanding of your word and help us to know how to apply it to our daily lives. And specifically what we look today is that there is a battle um, that is being waged, that we would know how to stand firm and that we would know how to engage in the battle. But first and foremost, we'd understand that there is an enemy a real enemy, and our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against the enemy and his forces. And um, Lord, that above all, you are the Lord of lords, King of kings, God of, of everything, and we can trust in your power and your magnificence and your goodness, and the perfection of your plan. Uh, Help us to hold firm to you, and the truth of your word, in Jesus' name, amen. You know, in preparation for this message, I went back to a sermon that I had preached uh, early on in my pastoral ministry up in Dunning, while in Dunning, and I found some statistics on how many U.S. adults believe how many U.S. adults believe uh, that Satan is a living being versus just a symbol of evil. And the statistics I found were from 2007, so I looked up the Barna Center and the Pew Forum Research Center and their latest polls. I couldn't find anything new until, I mean, the closest one I could find was 2009. Um, That article on that poll is entitled, Most American Christians Do Not Believe That Satan or the Holy Spirit Exists, and that was April 13th, 2009, I finally found an article from April 24th, 2020 from CBN uh, that reviews a new Barna study, which I must have missed. I couldn't find it. uh, And it's entitled New Barna Survey. And you could probably look it up on your phones. New Barna Survey, More Americans Believe in Satan Than Believe in God. And it's CBN News. Uh, Their survey revealed that 51% of American adults have a traditional biblical view of God as the all-powerful, all-knowing creator, um, which is a dramatic decrease from 73% in 1999. Now, I'm, okay, just so you know, I'm skeptical of polls. I don't know if it's even that high, but maybe I'm just skeptical, okay? Okay. 
maybe I've just got a negative uh, uh, perspective on this uh, towards Americans or U.S. citizens. But 51%. Now, 44 to 41% believe Jesus didn't sin. That's not very many of those people. And then more people believe in Satan, 56%, than believe in God. Now that was the astounding thing. That 56% of U.S. adults believe that Satan exists compared to that God, God, or believe that God exists, okay? Or that they believe in God, which is very baffling. I don't really understand it, so maybe their poll is just messed up, but... Anyway, the older statistic, the older statistic from the aforementioned study was 60% believed Satan was a symbol of evil, while 35% believed he is a living being. Not very much, right? Sadly, I believe humanity is ill-prepared for the battle, especially when we don't think there is an evil one, let alone many don't even believe in evil. Therefore, there's no battle. And in the older study, only 49% believed Satan was a real being, so I believe they're ill-prepared or unprepared for the battle. Our key verse uh, today reiterates the reality that Satan is real and that he does indeed have power. So would you look at 1 John 1 John 5, 18 through 19. And while this is our key verse today, we're not really going to go into detail uh, looking at this passage, but I think it's important as you look at the Gospel of John, the context is always crucial. Although I'm jumping around today, and hopefully we all have a good understanding of the context of the verses that will be used, uh, even though I may take portions from passages that speak more and more detailed about the subject at hand. Uh, but First John chapter 5, verse 18 and 19 says, We know that no one is born of uh, no one who is born of God sins, but he who was born of God keeps him, and the evil one does not touch him. As Jesus keeps us. Those of us born of God. And we're only born of God when we turn and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. But the reality is there, the evil one does not touch him. Verse 19, we know that we are of God and that the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. So we need to understand first and foremost that the evil one exists. And secondly, there is a battle over the souls of men and women. And third, we need to understand that if we've turned to Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of our sins, we are saved and no longer in his dominion or under his power, although there still is a battle. But today I want you to see three essential or key truths. We need to be aware of these. We need to know these. First, we need to know and be aware that Satan has a position. Second, that he has power. And yet, thirdly, we need to understand that Satan has parameters. That is, he's limited. 
And all of this yet points to the fact that he is real. A huge reason to stand firm, though, is that that he is real. It's a huge reason to stand firm, and it has to be in the Lord in which this means that we have to do things the Lord's way. We stand firm when you notice uh, our key thought here today. Stand firm. You don't go fight the battle on your own. You're standing firm in the Lord. Okay? In the Lord. Not by yourself, but in the Lord. You're not letting Him sway you from following the Lord. You're not being deceived. And so we stand firm in the Lord against the evil one. First, again, be aware of Satan's position. He does exist, right? But he has a position. And so let's look at the rank of Satan, right? And in this verse, in verse 19, you see the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. I believe that deals with the first two truths that we need to be aware of. One is his position, and that is, therefore, his rank. And so let's first look at the rank of of Satan in Ezekiel 28, 14. And this is just one of the, the many verses or passages that we can look at. And this passage is, has, has a far more greater detail to it. But I simply want you to see here in verse 14. And I do encourage you to look in your, your Bibles there and to make notes to point out Satan is real and he has a rank. And it says here, You were the anointed cherub who covers, and I placed you there. You were on the holy mountain of God. You walked in the midst of the stones of fire. We find that Satan's rank was the highest rank. He was the anointed cherub who covers. This shows his original exalted position, his creaturely perfection. Remember when we started this discussion or the study about evils, that everything that God created when he created it was good. But yet he allowed for choice. And in that choice, evil came in. So originally Satan was the top, the pinnacle of the angelic beings. Even in the midst of God, he was there. I think it's important for us to to step back here in the Ezekiel 28, 14 passage. And we're going to go to the Isaiah 14 or Ezekiel 28, 14, and then Isaiah 14 passage. And it's important for us to note uh, that there is speaking not only of Satan, but also of earthly kings who had great power and authority, and God was going to deal with them. But behind the kings, more specifically, we can only see and realize in those passages, the context of those passages, to see that it is speaking of Satan. It's very important for us to understand that Satan has always been behind the scenes and engaged in a battle, not just in the lives of people or humanity, but in very strategic places, which includes those with power and authority of kings, of nations. He's behind kings, behind nations, those who have uh, power and authority as human beings. And so when you look at these, these two passages, we need to understand that it is Satan 
behind them, and that is speaking specifically and more importantly to not only of the earthly kings, but of Satan, who is evil and who is at work trying to deceive the nations. And so we need to see some of the descriptions of Satan in those passages. But we don't have enough time to go through all of it. Um, But I do want you to see in 14.12 of Isaiah, in Isaiah 14.12, another name of Satan that points to his rank. How you have fallen from heaven, O star of the morning, son of the dawn. You have been cut down to the earth, you who have weakened the nations. And so when we look at this passage, Lucifer, morning star here in this passage, Lucifer means morning star. That is Satan who was placed above all other angels desired to be like God. And so if you go throughout that passage, if you study that passage, you will see the I wills of Satan. And the I wills of Satan is, I'm going to do this. I'm going to rise above God. I'm going to be above his throne. I'm going to have all this power. I am going to, I am, I am, I am, right? The I wills. The pride. And this, the I wills of Satan couldn't be farther from who God is, who humbled himself, specifically when we look at the Lord Jesus Christ, who humbled himself, Philippians chapter 2, and died upon the cross, For the sins of mankind. And the question for us today is, what is it that we do when we decide to disobey God? We say, I will not do this, right? I will do that. I am not conceited. I am not proud. But I will do it my way. Is there a song like that? Anyway, I will do it my way because I think that I know more than anyone else And I am even better than God. Wow, where does that come from? Might suggest maybe we look at the pit of hell. What is one of the descriptions of evil as we were going through it a couple weeks ago? To choose to do otherwise. What Adam and Eve did in the garden, they chose to do otherwise. To choose to do something other than what God has commanded or told us to do is evil so when we become selfish we are then crippled from serving god we are wounded soldiers of non-effect secondly we can look at another reality of who satan is and not just his rank but his realm what is the realm of satan so we're just doing a brief overview there's a lot more we could get into but i just want to fly through this real quick today ephesians 2 1 through 3 why don't you please turn there to ephesians 2 1 through 3 and i think it's important for us to understand not only the what it's describing of what we once were, but what is the, the realm here of where we once were or the, the kingdom we once were in? And praise the Lord for Colossians 1.13, we're no longer in that kingdom, but in Christ's glorious kingdom of light. But here in, in Ephesians 2, 1 through 3, and you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you formerly walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air. Who's that speaking of? Satan. Of the spirit 
that is now working in the sons of disobedience. Among them we too all formerly lived in the lusts of our flesh, indulging the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, even as the rest. The prince of the power of the air, the god of this world, all those in rebellion against God are Satan's. All under this worldly philosophy are his. We once were, but we no longer are if we believed in the Lord Jesus Christ. We were aligned with Satan as enemies against God. Another verse would be John 12, 31. In John 12, 31, it says, Now judgment is upon this world. Now the ruler of this world will be cast out. Well, Okay, so we see this can apply to what we're going to talk to in just a little bit, but what's his realm? This world. For now. That's John 12, 31. John 16, 11, and concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world has been judged. Now he's been judged, he's been defeated, but he has not been dealt with quite yet another uh, name of of satan or for satan that helps us understand his realm and even his rank is beelzebul or ruler of demons in luke eleven fifteen, it was a name jews used as a slam against the lord jesus christ this word is closely tied to baal It means Lord of the flies. It reverts back to the Lord of idol worship, which is equal to dung. So Satan is a prince of many, many. And the reality, what this word points to is uh, when you go to a dung heap, when you see if you were the Lord of flies, you'd have a lot under your power, right? A lot of flies, right? But it points to the reality that Satan is a prince of many, many, many Fallen angels or demons. These are angels, fallen angels, that is, the rest of the cohort or the angels who rebelled against the Lord God. And so the rank of Satan first must help us to see that he has power. He has a realm or kingdom of darkness and he is not alone in his destructive efforts. Right? I think we're all aware of that. We watched the this you know we watched the state track meet again. I mentioned it earlier on TV. Um, so and and you know two of the the boys are here in our church, um, but South Loop. I think we were had the slowest time, uh, and so we were at the last spot. And I think people, at least the announcers, kind of underestimated South Loop. Of course, we had the slowest time. And it was fun to cheer on and watch what transpired, what took place. Um, maybe there were others that were underestimating uh, the South Loop team. But then we took charge and got second place, right? That was a close at the end there, Silas. So we were yelling at you. I don't know if you could hear us through the TV screen. Uh, you know, and other sports... 
And I don't know if it happens so much in track. It can, because if you think you have a lead and no one's around you and start slowing down, someone comes flying by you, right? Oh, we could even talk about uh, the Kentucky Derby. That was crazy, right? From the inside, even. A $30,000 horse winning it. God likes to baffle people, I think. Anyway, underestimated. And I think a lot of times we underestimate the reality. First, oh, Satan doesn't exist. Oh, therefore there's no battle. And then maybe we say, oh, he exists, but he's not concerned about what's going on in the United States, least of not at all with what's going on in Arnold. And there's, you know, our church, you know, we're doing things for the Lord. I think some of the greatest battles take place before some of the greatest breakthroughs. If we're trying to serve the Lord, then Satan is going to want to destroy that or disrupt that. And so people underestimate what is going on, and it messes up the whole game plan. I mean, if you think you don't have any competitors coming down the track, and you were training, you think, oh, we just have to, you know, we just need to get through this. We're going to win it. No problems. You'd lose, right? You didn't prepare well. We have to prepare well because we know that Satan has power. He has a rank and realm. A realm. And so we need to be aware, but he also has power. And so we need to be privy to that power. And we have to stand firm in the Lord because he does have a position, he exists, and he has power. So let's look at Satan. Secondly, let's look at Satan's power. First, you know, part of his power is seen in the fact that that he is the father of lies. <laughs> that, well, what kind of power is that? One of the greatest powers he has is to deceive the nations, to make people think, hey, he doesn't even exist. But look at some of these names of Satan that point to his deceptiveness. Uh, in Luke 4.2, I'm not going to go to that passage at the moment, but it's where Jesus is, is, has gone out into the wilderness and then the devil comes to tempt him in Luke 4.2 and Luke 4.13. And then we find in Revelations 12.9 that it means slander, one who trips up. He does this by lying. And so let's turn to Revelation 12.9. Revelation 12.9. Uh oh. Twelve nine says, And the great dragon was thrown down the serpent of old, who is called the devil and Satan, who deceives the whole world. He was thrown down to the earth, and his angels were thrown down with him. And we look at this passage, we just find some names of Satan and, and some of the things that he was engaged in. But uh, we find that uh, devil, it means slander, one who trips up. He does this by lying. He's a liar, it says there in that verse. And, and also in 
Revelations 20, verse 3, he's a liar and a deceiver. In John 8, 44, in John 8, 44, it says, you are of your father the devil, and, and this is Jesus speaking to the religious leaders, and you want to do the desires of your father. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. Whenever he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own nature, for he is a liar and a father of lies. This is condemnation of Jesus to the religious leaders that they have bought into the lie. Not only have they bought into the lie, but they are liars themselves, and he is their father rather than Moses. And so Jesus being very critical of them. But Satan does not have to deny the truth. He just needs to pervert it just a little bit. And then he deceives many. Not only is he the father of lies, not only is he a great deceiver, but he is a fierce fighter. In that verse in 12.9, we read he's a serpent of old. Makes you think of Genesis chapter 3, right? 2 Corinthians 11.3 Corinthians 11.3 says, but I am afraid that as a serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, your minds will be led astray from the simplicity and purity of devotion to Christ. What does Satan want us to do? He, was, he wants us to do what Eve did to doubt the word of God. To not understand the word of God accurately. And even if we understand it accurately, he doesn't want us to obey it. And so we also find he is a fierce fighter and he seeks to deceive us. He's a fierce fighter in that he wages war against it. In Revelation 12, 7 through 9, he wages war against Michael and his archangels. And we see he will be cast down out of heaven halfway through the tribulation. We find all some other names of Satan, of the devil, in Revelation 20, verse 2. I'm not going to go there. You might look it up sometime. Revelation 20, verse 2. He wages war against Israel, Revelation 12, 14 through 15. You wonder why there's anti-Semitism in this world? I think it's directly from Satan. If he can get rid of Israel, then he's gotten rid of God's plan. But he wages war against Israel, specifically we'll see it uh, be brought to, to fruition again, specifically during halfway through the tribulation. At the midpoint, it'll begin. He is against and, and wants to defeat the true children of God. Look at 1 John 2. Uh, go back to 1 John chapter, and we'll go to chapter 2 instead of verse chapter 5. Chapter 2. 1 John chapter 2, 15 through 17. In 15 it begins, Do not love the world nor the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the boastful pride of life is not from the Father, but it is from the world. Who's the ruler of the world, remember? Verse 17, The world is passing away and also its lust, but the one who does the will of God lives forever. He is against and wants to defeat the true children of God. And he does this through the temptations, oftentimes, from the world. But he is a powerful adversary, one who is actively and continuously hostile towards someone. 
Remember 1 Peter 5, 8? How many of you have that memorized? You probably should know what it says, that Satan is a roaring lion seeking those whom he may devour, right? He is actively and continuously hostile towards someone. Roaring lion, that is, he he's, makes this terrifying and ferocious noise and that he is after them and devours or swallows whole, even consumes. This shows a vicious desire to gain control over lives because as he decimates them, he thinks he's winning against not just us, but against God. Another definition or name that describes Satan is he is the opposer and opponent in a lawsuit. He stands to accuse the saints. He accused Job in Job 1.6. He does not like to lose souls to God. And so he tries to hinder the work of God's people and the work of the Holy Spirit. He is the adversary. But Satan's rank and power are great. And we need to understand that he is real and he is powerful and he has an agenda. And we need to stand firm in the Lord because there is a battle. We must not underestimate him, his craftiness, just as even Adam underestimated, not misunderstood, underestimated. We must understand and realize that he uses many different tactics. He lies, he tempts, he accuses us before God, and he tries to hinder a walk. He wants to destroy what God is doing. And he wants to hinder and destroy God's people. But stand firm in him. Remember what 1 John 5, 18 and 19 states. We are blessed. We are in, in the care of the Lord. And therefore, we can stand firm. But let's, so let's, let's continue on. We need to understand his parameters. We'll go through this real quickly. Um, I mean, we cannot take him lightly, okay? Well, he is a powerful adversary. I didn't have that up there, okay? The one who stands against accusing and fighting against, but he is like a lawyer he stands against, okay? Um, we must not underestimate him. I... I have a quote in here from C.S. Lewis in the Screwtape Letters. There are two equal and opposite errors into which our race can fall about the devils. One is to disbelieve in their existence, which we've mentioned, right? The other is to believe and to feel an excessive and unhealthy interest in them. And I think along with that is to think that we can't succeed. Well, Jesus has already won the victory. And so we need to look at the parameters, or he is limited. He, his, his present limits are, is the reality that God is greater, right? Is God greater? Praise the Lord, he is greater or he wouldn't be God. Satan is not omniscient. He doesn't know all. He can't read into your thoughts, okay? He is not omnipotent. He is not all-powerful. But he is very, very strong. We need to be careful and not underestimate his power, He is very, very strong, but he is not all-powerful. He is not God. He is not omnipresent. He isn't everywhere all the time, but he has minions. He has demons. 
And they are watching, they are listening. He is not God, though. And praise the Lord, we're indwelt with the Holy Spirit. One verse you should memorize is 1 John 4, 4. 1 John 4, 4. How many of you haven't memorized? You don't have to raise your hand if you don't want to. Greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. If you've believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, you have the Holy Spirit within you, and the Holy Spirit is greater than the ruler of this world, Satan, the devil. It says in 1 John 4, 4, You are from God, little children, and have overcome them, because greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. 1 John 5, 19, We know that we are of God, and that the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. Praise the Lord that we are in the glorious kingdom, first, or Colossians 1, 13, of the Lord Jesus Christ. The world isn't, but we are. And yet there's a battle. He has limits, but there is a battle. Ephesians 6, 11 through 12, we're to put the full armor of God on, and we need to be prepared not only in life, but as you look at that passage, it kind of points on towards the fact at the end of, uh, you start at verse 10 and you move on and you see at the end of that passage is the, the battle is prayer. We need to be people of prayer not fighting against flesh and blood, but against principalities. We have to know the Word of God. We need to know who, where we stand in the Lord. We need to be growing in the Lord. We need to put all the armor on and prepare for that battle and engage in the battle specifically through prayer. And stand firm. 1 Corinthians 16, 13. 1 Corinthians 16, 13 says, Be on the alert. Stand firm in the faith. Act like men. Be strong. Let all that you do be done in love. Verse 14. Be on the alert. Stand firm where? Not just in what I'm able to do, but stand firm in your faith. You need to know the Word of God. You need to stand upon the Word of God. You need to be walking with the Lord Jesus Christ daily because there is a battle. We need to resist. James 4, 7. James 4, 7 says, Submit therefore to God. That is, do what God wants you to do. Do what Jesus did. Be willing to submit to the Father. Follow the Lord Jesus Christ's example and do what God has called you to do. And then resist the devil and he will flee from you. We are to resist. That's how we engaged in battle. By following the Lord's will, doing what the Lord wants, and then resisting what Satan wants us to do. To say no to his temptation, to say no to his deceptiveness. And then we need to understand that he will be punished. He has already lost, but he will be judged later. John 12, 36. Now judgment is upon the world. Now the ruler of the world will be cast out. John 16, 11. And concerning judgment, because the ruler of the world has been judged. He will be bound. Praise the Lord, he will be bound for a thousand years during the millennial, the literal millennial reign of Christ on this earth. It says in Revelations 20, verse 2 and 3, And he laid hold of the dragon, the serpent of old, who is the devil and Satan, and bound him for a thousand years. I want you to know this is literal and he threw him into the abyss and shut it and sealed it over him so that he would not 
deceive the nations any longer until the thousand years were completed. After these things, he must be released for a short time. God has a plan. You may not understand it, but praise the Lord, we will be able to be on this earth sometime with the Lord Jesus Christ as king, following him without the manipulations of Satan. Jesus will correct all things. And then there's more, right? At the end, Satan will be released and those who were born in the millennial kingdom and raised, not us, will have an opportunity, sadly, to reject Jesus and to join Satan against Jesus and then burn and be cast into the sea of fire. And he will have eternal judgment. Revelation 20, verse 11. Then I saw a great white throne and him who sat upon it, from whose presence earth and heaven fled away, and no place was found for them. But the reality here is we need to understand that Satan is real, that there is a battle. We need to stand firm in the Lord Jesus Christ, resisting the devil, obeying the Lord, being people of prayer, knowing that Satan has a limit, knowing that he will be judged, and being on the right side. Uh, is not only knowing the Lord Jesus Christ as our Savior, but following Him daily. We need to take the truth of God's Word and cut through the lies and schemes of the devil. Right? We must pray for each other and for the furtherance of the Gospel. This way we can stand against the, the wily devil and his deception. And we need to be people engaged in proclaiming the gospel message. It's about the souls of humans and whether they will turn to the Lord Jesus Christ. If they will believe and be saved or continue to remain in their sins, enemies of God on the side of, the, of Satan, headed for eternal condemnation. The reality is, um, when we look at the things in this world, there are many believers who have failed, who have lost the battle. They have not lost their souls, but they lost the battle. And because of that, many have turned away and used them as an excuse to reject the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let that not be us. We must pray for one another and stand firm in the faith, knowing that God has a purpose for us. He has called us into this great ministry of reaching the lost with the gospel through what we do and what we say. And praise the Lord, there is forgiveness. The world may not see it, though. They may hold on to the, the, what they saw the failures were of those who proclaim to be believers. So we have to pray. Pray for the great preachers uh, in the United States who are susceptible to great attacks. And pray for one another because even though we may not have a national scene or a worldwide scene where we're able to proclaim the gospel, but he sees us just the same as his enemies. And so pray for one another. And stand firm. Let's pray. Lord, first help us to realize there is a battle. 
and that Satan is engaged in misinformation. (laughs) And um, help us to all the more stand upon the truth of your word and stand upon our position in you and proclaim the truth of the gospel, of your greatness, uh, proclaim it to those within our community and those throughout the land through our actions and our words. I ask for your protection for each one here. Help us, though, not to sit back, but to be engaged. Help us to be people aware of the battle, be people of prayer, be people of action. We thank you for another opportunity to see your word and what you're going to do, but also what we need to be doing and prepared for today. Help us, Lord, to to see the reality of the battle that is before us and not to ignore it. In Jesus' name, amen. Can we have some young men come forward to take up this morning's offering?